Hello, everybody. This is Coach Aaron Saft and the MR Running Pains Podcast. Today's guests are the Mercers. They have been on the podcast previously, Allison and Ben, but Ben just completed the Mogollion 100 miler. And um, it was questionable as to whether Ben was going to line up. So um, I was so proud of him uh, for doing this, for going, you know, and even towing the line. So we're going to have a conversation about that. But first, wanted to go over a few things. Um, got a few questions that came in that I just wanted to, uh, to address. Um, I, I spoke with these people, uh, either verbally or, uh, in writing, but, um, wanted to go a little bit deeper and maybe perhaps shed light on some thoughts, uh, that maybe, uh, can answer some of your questions as well. The first came from Marcos and Marcos was asking about, um, my thoughts on, um, you know, bumping up your level of cushioning. Uh, and you know, is that appropriate? He had listened to the, um, uh, the episode with Steven Sashin, um, on zero shoes, uh, was, you know, Steven is a very minimalistic. And so, um, you know, Marcos kind of asked about, well, when is it appropriate to add more cushioning to your shoe? Um, and, uh, you know, I, I think it's a great question. Um, and it's one that, um, I would say if, you are um, a going up in distance for the example that I gave Marcos is that um, I may run a hundred miler in a shoe like the ultra lone peak. Um, But for Bigfoot, I bumped it up to the Olympus uh, to give myself more cushioning and more protection to the foot. Um, And uh, when I spoke with another friend who had done a Tahoe 200, I asked him what he had run in. And he said he ran in the Lone Peak, but wished he had run in the Olympus. Uh, Just coincidence that the two of us, you know, um, had this this same example. Um, And neither of us have an affiliation to Altra, but um, it's a good example of the cushioning level, if you will. So if you were to look online and look at how much uh, stack height, how much cushioning the Lone Peak has versus the Olympus, you can see that it's quite substantially different. Um, but I was very comfortable, whereas my friend, his feet were super tender and super sore because uh, it just didn't have enough underfoot. Now, that that can come down to a number of things, and there are a number of arguments to say, well, you know, uh, well, what else was going on? You know, was there blistering? Was his foot strong, strong enough? Okay. All of these things for, yes, that's, those are all valid arguments, but, um, you know, I'm, I'm talking about the vast majority of people. Um, if you are going up in distance, uh, it is good to think about your footwear and consider how much is underfoot, uh, how much protection do you have based on what you're going to be going over in Bigfoot? you know, there was some really, really rocky, uh, sections that the foot really needed, um, that, you know, more protection, um, be it come from, uh, more midsole or from like rock guard, whatever it may be. Uh, in, in my case, I chose more midsole and I was glad I did. Uh, I'll be honest, you know, I, I, I am a more, uh, minimalistic wear. I do like to wear minimalistic footwear. Um, I do, um, you know, some of my, my runs in minimalistic footwear, I typically can go up to about two hours in, you know, a very minimalistic shoe, like a zero that doesn't bother me. But as I go further, or as I traverse terrain that, you know, requires more protection, um, I'm more comfortable in something like the Lone Peak. Uh, as I said, I could take the Lone Peak up to about a hundred miles. Uh, and then, you know, going above that, I, I moved up to the Olympus. Now, you know, a lot of people aren't as comfortable 
in the minimalistic shoe and that's okay. Um, you know, you, maybe you are comfortable in something that's like the lone peak and that's your base, right? That's, that's your minimalistic shoe, if you will. And then, so your next step up would be something like the, uh, the Olympus or, um, or a Hoka or, um, the Solomon ultra, you know, whatever it may be. Um, there is a level of cushioning in which you don't have to think about your feet and that's where you want to get. That's the point of this is that you don't want to have to think about your feet or worry about your feet, right? Um, obviously we don't want blisters, but at the same time, we don't want our feet to get hurt or be uncomfortable or feel, we feel unsafe because our feet are just getting pounded, right? And that's, that's kind of where we have to come from and decide what level of cushioning is appropriate for us. Um, you know, uh, so, and, and it's trial and error. That's the, you know, that's what it comes down to. Um, as you guys heard in my conversations over the course of training for Bigfoot, I went through so many different pairs of shoes to kind of figure out what was going to work. And ultimately it came down to the mountain racer two, the Olympus and, um, the ultra Mont Blanc in which I used all of them during this race, but I predominantly used the Olympus. That was my, the, um, my, my main shoe. So getting to know what shoe is right for you. Um, is better. Now, if you're going up in cushioning, uh, I would suggest that you stay on top of your foot strength, right? No matter what, you should stay on top of your foot strength. And this is the other component that I told Marcos is that make sure that you don't inhibit your foot by putting too much shoe under it and not keeping the foot and ankle strong. Now, uh, I think a great resource is the mobile board. Um, and I will put that in the show notes, um, for, for you guys to check out Jay DeSherry, um, came up with the mobile board and I think it's just mobileboard.com, mobo, M O B O board.com. And, uh, you know, it's really good. It has a lot of good, um, foot and ankle strength and mobility exercises that you can do. Uh, the, the board itself, uh, you know, off the top of my head, I can't remember how much it costs, perhaps 80 bucks. Um, but you know, it's, it's designed so that you can use it for the right foot and then flip it over and use it for the left foot. Uh, you can create different instability patterns and you can create different challenges by adding therabands and such. Uh, he's got videos online and workouts and everything you can do. Um, so there's a lot of resources on, uh, mobileboard.com. So I will put that in the show notes. So I hope that answered your question more fully. Uh, Marcos. And, uh, if you, if you have further questions, please let me know. Um, and I'm sorry, Marco, it was Marco. Um, another question that I had, and I was just talking, um, with, uh, with, uh, Tara Jordan, who, um, was third place at, at, at Hellbender for the females. Uh, her daughter is running for me in, in middle school, uh, for cross country. So we were, uh, after the meet discussing, um, nerves and pre-race nerves. And I, I thought this was a great question because she asked me like, do you get nervous? I used to, I used to get super nervous. Um, and she said, were you nervous before Bigfoot? And then the reality, yeah, a little bit, maybe, but not to any extent where it was a distraction to me. Um, I, I, I always tell my runners change your vocabulary. I'm not nervous about the event. I'm excited for the event, right? I'm looking forward to it. So start changing your mentality, change your vocabulary. It all starts with the vocabulary and what vocabulary you're using. Rather than say, I'm nervous, say, I am excited for. So it starts there and then it starts to change your mentality and how you view the event. I also say that you need to work on your uh, mental preparation, your mental training. 
Um, in this case, Addie Bracey's book, Mental Training for Ultra Running, I've mentioned it a lot because we just went through it uh, with the team. We did a book review on it. And I think that has so much valuable information and resources and mental strategies throughout the book that it can help prepare you for any event. Um, it's a good thing to go through all the exercises and such, um, you know, scan through the book, uh, in the beginning of your training cycle and kind of go through all these mental exercises and continue to uh, work and evolve over the course of your training by using this as kind of like a, a handbook, if you will, for each race. Um, you may need to make copies of the, uh, the activities so that you can, you know, do those and write them out or, uh, go on a run, think about it and come back and write down your thoughts. But it's, it's, it's good mental process. Because, like I said, for, for Bigfoot, it had me super prepared. I was more mentally prepared for Bigfoot than I ever had been. And I attribute a lot of that to reading Addie Bracey's book. So I can't stress that enough. So um, I will also put that in the show notes just so you have that. But again, Mental Training for Ultra Running by Addie Bracey. Great book. Um, and then the other piece of this is, uh, meditation. I have been really focused on my practice of meditation and becoming present and mindful. Um, that has helped me, you know, kind of reduce my stress, kind of keep me in the moment and make me recognize what's going on at the moment and what I need to deal with at the moment and how I need to deal with it. Um, what thoughts are distracting and what thoughts are, um, are going to allow me to, uh, uh, to be more productive. So, um, you know, meditation has been great. There are a million resources out there for meditation. I happen to use Headspace, um, you know, again, no affiliation to Headspace, but I think it, it works well for me. Um, you may use something like Calm or one of the other apps. You may not even use an app. You know, you may have found something other, another resource online. And if you want to share those, please do. Um, I think, you know, it's, it's wonderful uh, to, to get into the practice of meditation. I think it can help keep you present and mindful and, and kind of calm those race nerves. Uh, again, it's mental training. So when you get to race day, you're not nervous because you feel ready. You feel present. You feel ready to tackle whatever's in front of you, uh, which, you know, uh, helped me just kind of recognize, okay, I'm going for a run. And that's what I discussed with Tara was I'm just going to go for a run. And as I discussed in my, my post-race uh, podcast, you know, I was going for a 12-mile run. That's how far it was to the first aid station. That's what all I thought about. I didn't think about, you know, running 209 miles or the other whatever, 197 miles that I would have to run after those 12 miles. That's not what mattered. What mattered was what was in front of me. What was the task that I was charged with in the immediate you know, present that I could go and do and take care of. And that was those 12 miles, knock out those 12 miles beyond that. Then it was 18 miles to the next aid station. So then I had an 18 mile run. Uh, and, and so, you know, I broke it down. I segmented it again. These are all things that help you keep you present, right? So, you know, looking at things in, uh, having mental clarity and, and a way to deal with them and accept them and, and be okay you know, with, with what the task is, these are all things that will help you in your training and your racing. So, you know, having that, that mental capacity, that mental strength, that mental training is, uh, is an asset. So, um, just wanted to share that as well. So I thank those guys for those questions. Um, I hope that you can take something from them. Um, and then, uh, at the end of the, the podcast, I'm going to talk a little bit about, uh, um, you know, other things that we have going on here at MR running pains and, uh, and, uh, uh, man, you know, 
just kind of close up, but I want to thank again, Ben and Allison for this conversation. Uh, you know, Ben was very open about what was going on. So, um, I hope you enjoy this conversation with Ben and Allison Mercer. Hey guys. Hey, what's up? How are you doing? Good. Good. How are you doing more? More importantly. <laughs> I'm doing just great. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. No, it's all is good in this in this neighborhood. <laughs> yeah. How was the run back and everything? I felt great. Um, aside from doing the Blue Ridge relay, which <laughs> was uh was not planned. Um <laughs> it was uh everything was great. It was nice to take some time off. I don't think I'd taken that much time off in a while. So yeah, excellent. Yeah. Yeah. Ben, how are, how is everything back hamstring, everything? Okay. Honestly. Yeah. I mean, like as weird as, uh, it sounds running a hundred miles. I don't think my hamstring was ever even an issue. Oh, I just don't know if it's just because of the day I had that wasn't like physically like taxing my hamstring, but I think more anything, it was, um, issues just with like, blowing out my quads and like my <laughs> it bands just like my knees just felt like kind oh. of trash really early on um oh. not enough to make me not be able to hike and move efficiently like i don't think not finishing was ever on the table and i kind of got stronger as the race progressed but yeah it was definitely like well i'm not really going to be able to run any of these technical downhills that's not an option and the problem is the whole course is technical downhills. So <laughs> when you can't run, uh, you know, it's going to be a long day. <laughs> well, let's, we'll go back a little further here. Um, so um, we should start with uh, introducing yourselves. Um, <laughs> we've had um, Ben and Allison here on the podcast previously. Um, it was for, uh, correct me, your, your Georgia Loop FKT. Was that right? Uh, or was it the Georgia AT? Georgia AT. Right. Georgia AT. Okay. So we've had them on for the Georgia AT. And then Allison was most recently on after having taken second at strolling gym to Camille Heron. So um, these have been prior guests, but just for folks that may not be familiar with you, why don't you both introduce yourselves? Cool. Yeah. Um, ben Mercer, uh, 35, Atlanta, Georgia. Um, been running for six or seven years now. Um, I like to feel like I'm a pretty strong runner. Um, I run anything from shorter distances like 5Ks and now up to 100 miles. Um, generally like to run on trails. I'm Allison Mercer. I also like to run. There's so much in common. I'm project manager by trade. I help run the FKT site and I just tag along with Ben and all of his adventures and cheer him on. And Allison, what role did you play at Moglion? I was chief warrior. Um, <laughs> I helped crew. I paced the last 18 miles. I helped set up his bag, whatever he needed, and just tried not to worry so much when we didn't have any cell reception or no, like, how he was feeling or anything. So gotcha. <laughs> I'm right just coordinating on. all the pacers and when people were going where and <laughs> um excellent. So we'll we'll talk a little bit more about your your interactions with Ben. But Ben, how did you get to um to find out about Mogli uh, Moglion? 
is it Moglion, Moglion, Moglion. I can never say it. Mogian. Mogian. Way off. <laughs> um, I think, I mean, I'd seen videos of the race previously. Okay. Um, I believe this, the race has been around since t- 2012 in some iteration. Um, the course has changed a lot over the past 10 years. Um, I think now in its current point to point form is kind of what they're aiming to be the standard for every year in the future. But um, I had seen earlier videos of it from years past when um, guys like uh, Michael Versteeg or Brett Mounty have ran it. Um, so I was always kind of intrigued by it. Just looked like a really rough 100 miler. And then when I was out in Arizona to pace my buddy Wit at Cocodona, we ended up spending some time with a runner named Tony Russ from New Mexico. And he's kind of famous around Mogian because he's run it, um, I think, six times, completing it three or four. Wow. Um, He's a bear. He's a sandal runner, which is also in incredibly impressive if you're familiar with any of the terrain um arizona and famously one year he ran from his home in new mexico to the race ran the race and then ran back home to new mexico oh my goodness totaling over like 500 miles in a week's time so incredible um talked to him he just said it was a beautiful but brutal race and since then i was like i'm gonna go do that race so (laughs) I'm kind of looking at the calendar this year. I was excited because it's also a hard rock qualifier. And I know that's going to take me a long time to get in. So figured, well, what the heck? Signed (laughs) up the day the registration opened. And uh, that was back in December. So here we are. (laughs) (laughs) And that's a, it's an Aravipa race, correct? Yeah. Very good. And so um, I think the, the you know things that people can take away is um kind of uh we can kind of go through training but talking about like basically the end of your uh, your training block <laughs> you know what happened there but because um um you know most most folks they uh they get to train and and get through things and um uh, but others you know such as yourself or myself have some kind of obstacle uh, right at the end my case being covid um, your case being, uh, the back and the hamstring. Um, so talk about training a little bit. Um, you know, we, we tried to go every other week with efforts just to make sure we weren't, you know, we made it less likely to injure you, but, um, you know, talk about what happened if you would. Yeah. Um, well, historically, I feel like, I don't know if it's like, um, self-prophesizing but like I have a hard time making it to the start line of any race uh particularly healthy um so like you said we wanted to kind of that was the the main objective was to make sure that I get to the start line in shape and healthy because you know endurance and just grits there um so yeah we decided we were going to do a long build um it was my idea not to do any races I didn't want to like do any efforts that were just super crazy, um, kind of pepper in some long runs here, there, um, nothing any further than 50 miles. Um, come to realize it's really hard to put it forth <laughs> long 50 mile effort by yourself. Just, uh, that's hard to stay motivated, especially if it's not like a 
FKT or a time trial or something you're super passionate about just to go run 50 miles is kind of a tall order to task oneself with. But uh, yeah, we did an 18 week build. Um, I think my longest run ended up being 37 miles with about 7,000 feet of climbing, which went really well. I mean, if that was my litmus test for how the race was going to unfold, I would have said, you know, I was going to be running under 26 hours. Um, as the build went on, I kind of developed some little bit of a hamstring nag or niggle and yeah, just kept training through it. Tried to do all the right things like PT. I got dry needled a ton, um, <laughs> just active massage, the works, and it never was enough to keep me s- sidelined, but it definitely kind of ended up taking its toll and you know, my wife and I, we ended up buying a house in this time, which I knew wasn't going to be really good for the stress levels going into uh, the unknown, if you will. So about four weeks out, we ended up moving and just moving some boxes and stuff like, you know, twisting my trunk as opposed to lifting with my legs or (laughs) twisting while lifting. I just threw my hips out of alignment. And it just made the um, hamstring really flare up and get mad. Like I went out for a run one day and made it two miles and it just started seizing up and spasming. So I was almost certain I wasn't even going to attempt to run the race. I also, I would backtrack to say that not only did we move, but we also moved twice. We moved to my parents' house for a month, which isn't exactly a stress reliever, if you will. (laughs) Um, And moving all of our stuff to my parents, storing it, and then moving it to our house now, um, probably did not help things as we look back. And of course, hindsight's (laughs) 20-20. What can you do? Right, right. And as Ben mentioned, this is going to be his first hundred. So um, talk about that, that kind of spot where you're like, I don't think I'm going to do this if you would, Ben. Yeah. So I've been, like I said, with the hamstring kind of going back and forth with it. Um, I know I had a pretty good week about five weeks out. I probably totaled like 70 miles and just pretty quality. Um, everything felt pretty good. I was getting to the point in training where, I was starting to feel a little bit fatigued and I knew that like we were getting to the taper, but then like the move happened and the stresses from that. So I really tapered hard. I probably over the last four weeks, maybe totaled 20 miles. And that was just kind of piecemealed out um, 30 minute efforts here and there. I think I did one, two and a half hour hike. And when I, did that hike, I realized that I was up in Blue Ridge, Georgia on the Benton Mackay. And, you know, I hiked in 10 miles in two and a half hours with like 3000 feet of climbing. I'm like, well, if I could do that, worse comes to worse. <laughs> I can right. uh, probably hike Mogian pretty efficiently. And what was your, um, your PT and everybody saying that, you know, what, what were they, what was their input? Yeah. Um, my sports masseuse, uh, Shannon Greenhill, she is the best in the world. Um, and I, <laughs> you can't see me smiling and Allison's laughing, but she really, really is. She's <laughs> overly qualified to treat me. Um, 
but yeah, she was just like, you know, it's all structural. Um, you know, you're strong when she was able to get me aligned, everything was good. She's like, there's no reason that you shouldn't be able to go out there and run the race. Like your body's going to know what to do. Um, so she just was really instrumental in kind of keeping me mentally engaged with like, Hey, you can do this. Um, but it still wasn't getting any better per se. Like it was still just enough to make me have doubt. Like just when I would try to go run two miles and seizing up and, you know, do one last body session of like two and a half hours and dry needling in the works. And it was basically about a week out, maybe a little more when I emailed the race director. Cause I was just like, I'm not going, <laughs> this is like a totally bad idea. So I emailed the race director, you know, asking what their deferral policy is, or if I could get some sort of race credit and, you know, sheepishly, I hit send on that email and <laughs> slept on it again some more. And Talk to I talked to my buddy Wit the next day, who was going to be gracious enough to come out and pace me. He was um, out in Leadville, Colorado at the time for a trail festival and he was just like dude just just do it like what's the point of like not showing up you know like nobody's really would be disappointed if you came out there and dnf'd like you know it's a good excuse to get the friends together and <laughs> you know, just have some fun on the mountains so talking with him i was just like yeah whatever so <laughs> i went back through my inbox and i found that sent email and i replied all and i just said scratch that. I'm going to say YOLO and I'll see you guys on Saturday. <laughs> and luckily they hadn't canceled my registration and they, the race director replied to my email and just said, I like your style. So, <laughs> um, you know, I then made contact with my friends out in Arizona and just said, you know, well, we'll see you on Saturday. <laughs> That's awesome. So how many people did you have on your crew? Oh man, my crew was an all-star <laughs> cast. So um, I had my, my wife, Allison, my buddy, Whit Weisbrim, uh, my friend, Ryan Lay. Um, Whit had a stowaway in his van from the Leadville Trail Festival, a famous legendary hiker uh, named Joshua Perry. He uh, recently set the FKT on the Pacific Crest Trail. Oh, wow. And uh, we had some friends out from albuquerque as well who were crewing another friend <laughs> they also popped in to help me out as well so uh that was michaela osler and her partner troy allen man so a crew had a lot of, <laughs> lot of people there it was a motley crew you would say yeah <laughs> our crew was definitely uh very interesting that's awesome um allison can you tell us about like what it was like you know going through this these last few weeks with ben i mean it's tough as a significant other, especially as a runner who understands what it's like to go through, you know, the struggles of whether to race or not. So can you talk a little bit about what it, what it looked like from your side or, or how you perceived it? I feel like I have PTSD just from the last few months of just the roller coaster of like his peak week of being excited, training hard, knowing how much it means to him and the end up all goal of hard rock. And then for him to start having this pain and feeling like guilty because I'm like, Oh, we shouldn't have moved. Oh, we shouldn't have been at my parents and just seeing him in pain. And then when he said he was going to 
not do it. My first response was why? <laughs> I was like, let's try. Cause I feel like, like you say, I'm just as invested as in the race and his happiness as he is. And so for him to be like, I'm not doing it. I'm in so much pain. You just feel helpless and you just want to be like, no, we got this. Just go out. And so I was glad that he talked to Wit because, you know, what do I know? And Wit kind of told him, let's just go see what it's like. It's a good change of scenery. We've, you know, haven't had a vacation in a little bit and just the release from work and the move and life just to get out of the way. So I was very excited when he was like, all right, let's do it. <laughs> I had booked all the travel. I had arranged a lot of it. So I was like, we've got it all planned. It wasn't that expensive. Like, you know, you've put all this hard work into it. Let's just do it. So, yeah. It is. It's hard to know um, when to push and, and when to, you know, kind of sit back. And it's the same situation for myself as, as a coach. Uh, you never want to push somebody, especially if they're in pain and say, you know, well, you know, go for it. You know, it's especially if they're hesitant, like you never want to, I never want to be that kind of coach that pushes somebody. Cause you know, if, if the result came that Ben got hurt worse, I would have felt awful, you know? So when he told me like, you know, I, I don't think I'm going to go, I, you know, I said, I understand. I, <laughs> I completely understand. And I respect that decision that's a hard decision to make. And, you know, to say it, it, you know, it's, it's even harder to, to say it, you know, uh, to, you know, co to commit to it that way saying, you know, I'm not going to do this. Um, so I completely respected it, but then it wasn't, but I, what, 24 hours been, and you're like, I'm going. <laughs> and yeah. I was like, Oh, well, awesome. <laughs> I I'm glad that, you know, you're at least going to go out to try, you know, cause as you said, the PT had said, you know, you, you, you shouldn't be able to do any more damage or anything like that. But at the same time, you know, I, I hate the fact that you had any pain. So, um, but you know, as I said, I, I was very, very happy that you were, you were going to go and, and give it a go. Um, no matter what, what it, you know, what it presented. So, um, you know, if you would kind of talk about the race a little bit, so, you know, some people may not know much about the, um, like the, well, obviously we know it's hundred miles, but like the elevation gain, you talked a little bit about the trails, but kind of give us a, a, a glimpse into like how much single track, like how technical, you know, all that kind of good stuff. Yeah, so um, for starters, the uh, Mogian Monster is basically a race that travels the Mogian Rim, and that's an escarpment that raises about 2,000, 3,000 feet from the ground, and it goes from Arizona to New Mexico. It's about 200 miles, 250 miles in length. Um, the race, I believe, starts in Payson, Arizona, and then traverses the different trails that line the rim all the way to Pine, Arizona. And in doing that, um, you go up and down the rim six times. I think it was total approximately like 17, 18,000 feet of climbing and as much descent, which on paper sounds completely doable. You know, I've done runs with much shorter with, you know, comparable elevation profiles, but, um, those trails out there are steep, steep, <laughs> and just littered with loose rock. I mean, it is in, you know, we live in the Southeast. I have the Appalachian Trail. We have Duncan Ridge. You know, it's, I like to think that I'm capable of taking care of myself on those trails, but it became 
pretty apparent <clears throat> on the first really steep descent that was at like 45 degree grade that, you know, this race is just going to chew you up. And this is exactly what happened. Um, but so six big climbs, um, when you're up on top of the rim, um, it's mostly just long, you know, there's a lot of like forest service road that kind of long gradual downhills. Um, but the time that you're on trail, um, is not few and far between it's the entire race, because I don't think you crossed a road at all. So there's no asphalt except for the last mile to the, um, town center. So, yeah, I mean, it's almost 101, 102 miles and it's completely trail point to point. So, I mean, it checked all the boxes there for <laughs> what, what's what you would want in a hundred miler. And the, um, you said earlier that, you know, the hamstring, the back, they, they held up and you didn't feel really any, any problems uh, along the way. It was more just the, the fatigue. Um, when did the fatigue start to hit you about what mile? Oh God, it was early. <laughs> it was real early. Like, um, you know, fitness was definitely there. It was, this was mostly a strength and strength thing. So I think the first really big descent was maybe mile like 12 or 18. Um, I wouldn't see my crew until mile 26. And that was at the end of a long climb. And that climb I was going up, I was just like, my legs are so trashed. I'm going to drop at 26. <laughs> like, because the thing about this race also is your crew basically gives you aid at the top of the rim. There's other aid stations, but if you want to see your crew and you want to get to a pacer, you have to get to, you have to climb up the rim again. So at 26, I wouldn't see my crew for another 20 miles where I pick up a pacer at 45. So I'm like, my legs are trash. <laughs> That's going to be a long 20 miles to drop or even to see what happens, you know? Yeah. But, you know, legs felt really fatigued early on. Um, I didn't drop at 26. Obviously. I, just said, <laughs> I said, let's uh, let's just keep pushing and see what uh, happens. All right. Well, Allison, what, what, what did, when he came in at 26, what did he look like to you and what did he sound like to you? Well, no, I get a text. So we don't have reception. Okay. Um, we're driving along the rim road, which the forest service roads there are so nice. They're so wide, like compared to what we have in the South, <laughs> it is a dream. So, but no reception, but right along the rim and the edge, we were able to get reception. And I get a text from him saying my IT band is jacked. <laughs> and I'm like, oh God. <laughs> but, and then Wit goes to me and goes, listen, um, I'm pacing back and forth and I'm getting these texts and everyone's wanting updates and, you know, he's supposed to come in soon because they had a little bit of live tracking and, but it wasn't very accurate. So he was doing, cause he started the first, I guess, 10 miles at like 11 minute mile pace, which were like, okay, speedy <laughs> that. Um, but then we didn't see him at, see the next aid point check, like anything going, all these people are going, and then his name is going further, further down. And we're like, oh gosh. And then I get the text and I'm like, did he drop? Like, we have no idea. And so it's like, listen, you start prepping his bag, start prepping his bottles, start getting everything ready. 
I will see him at the top and I will talk to him. You need to stay calm. You just need to be positive. Like, don't worry. Don't be your mother. Um, (laughs) Just, you know, just try to relax, take a nap, whatever. And I'm like, okay. So when Ben comes up, Ben initially tells Wit, like, okay, uh, this is it. And then Wit's like, no, 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 calm down. So we went, he sat down, um, got some water in him, um, made sure that he had a jacket and everything. Not a seal-proof jacket, we'll get to that. But like his bottles, he was drinking water. He was good. He was really positive and really chatty because that was the other thing is, they were like, well, is he going to be chatty? Is he going to be talking? Is he going to be mad? Is he going to be focused? And I was like, I have no idea. (laughs) (laughs) No idea. But he was so cutting jokes and just goofing off. And so it was like, all right, like he's going to keep going. So I was really excited that he was in good spirits, you know, because it wasn't, it already got off to the start he didn't want. And, but he was still just like, let's just keep on trucking. So Nice. So Ben, talk about your conversation with Wit. What did that, do you remember it? Um, A little bit. Like I was pretty sure I was going to drop, um, but he's just kind of like, well, how are you feeling? I'm like, I mean, my legs kind of feel like crap and this is going to be a really long hike, you know, three quarters of the race, but you know, it doesn't always, you know, cliche, it doesn't always get worse. And, you know, I sat down and um, our friend from Albuquerque, Michaela, she, was just like, how are your feet? You know? And like immediately takes off my shoes without me asking and like starts tending to my feet, making sure that they're dry and clean. I have clean socks and everybody's just giving me all this attention. I'm like, well, everybody else is so committed to the process right now that it would just kind of be, I feel like, I don't want to say like, I feel like I'm letting them down, but you know, like when you see that many people are in your corner, it's kind of inspires you to dig a little deeper you know, mm-hmm. so I made the decision to keep going like pretty right away. Like mm-hmm. it wasn't like I sat there like five or 10 minutes. I was just like, all right, sit down. We'll uh, take care of myself for like five minutes and go. So it was like pretty much immediate. Like I'm going to keep going. And Allison said that you were pretty positive. Uh, when you wrote the text about your IT band initially, what was your mood then? uh probably not very good i was like because i was running with some other friends um from albuquerque and i was we were all three together and you know they started losing me on the downhills when it was becoming painful for me and i kind of lost except lost contact with that group and that's when i was like no i at least need to let my crew know what's going on why i'm not with them when they come through and so I was a little disappointed. I mean, obviously, because it's like, well, this isn't even what was bothering me leading into the race. You know, my training this has never been an issue. Um, so I was just like, of course, of course, it's a new pain, <laughs> which was the old pain. And the other thing is it starts hailing first when we were there, like before Ben even came in. So I'm just like, oh, gosh, like, is he in this? And it was kind of nice because it was super dusty on this um road so i was like well at least it's not going to be and there's atvs and whatever like motorcycles going up and down so i'm like it's a good thing that they're not around the runners kicking up all this dirt so i was like well at least the rain is you know calming down cooling it and whatnot yeah 
And so, <laughs> yeah, no, that's, that, that, yeah, well, man, believe me, I, I was wishing for, for rain out at Bigfoot with how much that every time you stepped down, it was just poof, you know, dust everywhere. Um, <clears throat> but then what, what changed in your, your mindset between when you sent that text and when you got to the aid station, because obviously as Allison describes it, you got into the aid station and you were joking around and it seemed like you were in more of a positive mood. Oh yeah. I mean, <clears throat> just having friends and family there, you know? So it um, changed as you arrived at the aid station, just seeing them kind of. Yeah, exactly. Switch, yeah. Kind of switch the gears and, you know, just kind of like, Oh, you know, there's people out here selflessly waiting on me and they're excited to see me and, you know, just made me not want to give up. So yeah, good. It good. kind of put into perspective the people and now, like, you know, I'll probably say this a lot throughout this, but you know, just taking a village, you know, I feel much more appreciation for how hard it is and like how difficult it is for somebody to go to one of these races without a crew or without pacers, you know, and that those feelings of just being out there alone would just almost become um, something that you be hard to overcome. So I was like, very happy to continue on at that point when I was just like, all right, well, this is just not that serious. Let's just <laughs> put one foot out in front of the other. Nice. Good. So you left that, that 26 mile aid station mm -hmm. in a more positive frame of mind. Yeah. Um, what, um, did you have any, um, uh, any apprehensions or anything about the, the IT band at that point? Yeah, I knew it was going to probably, be you know it's gonna be slow going obviously that kind of made it to where running just wasn't great um i could you know go and maybe like burst of like you know a couple minutes here or there on some smooth downhills and then i'd like walk until it got like tightened up again then it'll loosen up and i'd feel like i could run again and you know i was just kind of yo-yoing with those feelings um really whenever i was able at a point where I could run, but I still had a lot of uphill too. And I'm a pretty good hiker admittedly. So the uphills were always fine. So as long as I just got to a point where it's mostly uphill, I'm fine. Everything else, I just walk really fast. <laughs> <laughs> Gosh. So, all right. So you said you wouldn't see your crew again for another 20 miles at 46. So Tell me, where was your your mind space with all of this going on? You know, not being able to to run as much as you you know had hoped. Obviously, were you able to kind of just stay calm and stay in the moment? Yeah, yeah, it was really like one of those things. Like, okay, well, this is gonna be a long stretch. I've already slowed down from you know any goal was out the window that wasn't just finishing the race. And I was like, all right, well, we'll assess how I feel at forty five or forty six. But at that point. I have pacers lined up from mile 46 until the end of the race. So if I could just get to that point where I have company and just people to keep me in good spirits, I was pretty confident that I'd be able to finish. Um, leaving mile 26, going <laughs> off the top of the rim, you're running along the rim road. And like Allison said, it kind of hailed and there's a little bit of a thunderstorm when I was making that climb up to 26. When I was leaving, um, it got really, really nasty weather. I um, was descending off the rim and I was kind of on an exposed ridge line. And all of a sudden, you know, really pretty lightning that was very close, closer than I wanted to, 
that I felt comfortable with. I knew I needed to get down um, sooner than later. And then that's when it started hailing on me. So there was like pee to marble sized hail for a lot of that um, on this ridge line. And, you know, I was with a group of guys and we were kind of yo-yoing because we're all trying to just get down as safely as possible. And then they would be just getting pelted. So they would duck behind some shrubs or whatever they could to protect themselves. And then I'm like, I don't even have a waterproof jacket right now, so I can't really stop because I don't want to get cold, you know? So just be kind of came for a little bit. It was just like, well, this is just survival until I can get to the next aid station. Like, cause the weather was just really, really nasty. And, you know, so that definitely kept my mind occupied because it wasn't about <laughs> finishing the race. It was just about being safe and trying to get to the next aid station. So um, just dealt with the uh, the terrain and weather for maybe a couple hours. And finally, I was able to get to the aid station. Um, I believe it was probably mile 38 approximately. Something like that. I think, yeah, it was maybe mile 32. So it was about seven miles after I saw my crew last. And when he made it in there, was it still hailing? No, it finally let up. And I see one of the uh, aid station captains. The first thing I asked is like, hey, have you checked the, the radar? Like, what's it supposed to be like the rest of the night? or, you know, going into the evening and he's like, I think that's basically it, you know? And I was like, okay, cool. Like, cause it was <laughs> really, really bad out there. And I was like, I honestly, I was like, I don't have a waterproof. I don't have the gear. So I don't know, you know, if the weather's bad, I'm kind of out of luck and, you know, in a ultra running fashion, they hooked me up with a nice big, uh, a compactor bag, trash bag to throw over myself. And I was like, well, this will have to do. So <laughs> I started making uh, the next ascent um, up to, I believe it was probably uh, mile 41. And then on my way to see my crew after that. Nice. And um, so not having your waterproofs, I mean, you know, obviously we don't expect Arizona to be um, <laughs> yeah, get too much precipitation. Is that what you were thinking and not bringing uh, waterproofs? Well, that's the funny thing is because I brought my waterproofs. I had a waterproof jacket. I had Solomon waterproof pants in my <laughs> duffel bag in the crew van. And we just, you know, always hindsight, but just I should have maybe asked for it. Or if somebody could have just maybe been like, hey, those clouds look kind of crazy. We might throw that in your bag. But I didn't even have a Houdini. Oh. <laughs> you had one jacket and. Oh, correction. I did have a Houdini, but it just <laughs> when it's, when it's coming down like that, that's not going to be enough to protect. Right. Yeah. So right. I stand corrected. I did have a small jacket. <laughs> um, and like, just so we understand the surroundings, um, was it like scrub brush that it was around you or, you know, was there anything taller that you could take shelter under when it did hail or no? Not really. I was basically what, at the time I felt like, you know, I was the hot tallest thing in my surroundings. So okay. it was like scrub and you're like, okay, this lightning is really close. And this hail is very painful. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know, like, you know, when you go out to the desert, the ground's so dry when they get any water, the trails just get flooded. 
So you also have loose rock and now you have to try to run down technical trail with about three inches of water running down it too. So okay. it just was a complete mess. Oh, yeah. That sounds like it. Um, did they <laughs> talk about any of this, like in, in any of the race communications? Yeah. You know, they definitely said that, you know, um, up on the rim at night in Arizona, you know, you're going to have temperatures that could be below freezing, um, years prior that they've actually had the whole race canceled just due to flash flooding and stuff. So, um, it is known that the weather out there can be, uh, yeah, pretty bad. Yeah. The lightning is really bad and they've had pretty bad lightning storms and they canceled the race because the volunteers, they were worried about the safety of the volunteers out there and them being able to leave. Mm. So. Gotcha. And so, um, so Allison, you're, you're anticipating Ben's arrival at mile 46. What is the, um, what's the atmosphere like with the crew? What are, what's everybody talking about? What are you preparing and, you know, what's the plan here? Um, well, our friend Ryan was going to be, um, pacing him. So it was pretty exciting because Ryan is a pro skateboarder that just got into trail running. So Ben had known of him for years. So it was cool that he got to run with him. And Ryan was like, well, what will Ben want to talk about? Will Ben want to be chatty? And I'm like, you know what he's going to want to talk about. <laughs> so, and it was really convenient because um, Ryan was from that area. So he knew the trails really well. So nice. it was nice that he was with, with, Ben was with someone that was comfortable with the trails and everything. So um, we made sure that Ben was, you know, still in good spirits, positive. Like once again, we didn't know what his attitude would be like. So mm -hmm. it was just stay positive, stay cool. Once again, I was letting Wit take the lead and I was just prepping everything. And knowing that Ryan's section was divided up into two sections, like two seven mile splits. So it wouldn't be too bad. And we would see Ben a lot more. So, and it was getting ready for nightfall. And I know Ben loves night running. So I was like, all right, his attitude is going to change. Just keep it positive. And so the, uh, you would see them uh, at both those seven mile uh, aid stations? Yep. Yeah. Okay. Um, very good. So, uh, so Ben, you, you now you're picking up Ryan. Um, where are you at? How are you feeling now that you ha do have the pacer? Much better. <laughs> we ran that loop and like, it felt good. Cause I was like, oh, wow, I'm actually kind of running. Um, you know, and just had somebody to just bullshit with for, you know, I guess I, will, I have no idea time and I can't calculate how many hours that would have been to run that little, but <laughs> <laughs> the slowest 15 miles I've probably ever ran in my life, uh -huh. but it felt like I was running mm -hmm. and, you know, we began to start picking off a lot of people, a lot of people that I had saw had lost contact with hours and hours ago you know at night you start seeing the headlamp up in front of you you pass somebody and then you're like well i'm going to eventually catch my friends from albuquerque if i just keep this pace up like i know i'm going to start reeling people in so you know you start playing games with it and that becomes a motivating factor and was the it band doing better yeah much better good nice um what is it about night running that you like so much um I think a lot of it for me is just you kind of tunnel vision. And I mean, I mean that very figuratively and literally you have a beam 
and your your focus is much more narrow. You're not looking at any of the auxiliary stuff. It's just your focus maybe 30 feet in front of you and you can only see 10 feet on either side of you. So you're just in this tunnel of light and you just just jogging. So I, I just find that as a really easy time for me for me to be able to kind of get into flow, if you will. Did you ever shut off your lamp and just look up? Yeah, um, it was really neat about the race is the way it fell. It um, happened to be a full moon out that night. So it was very, um, a lot of natural light and you could look up at the rim and there was a light fog out from all the precipitation that we had earlier. But if you looked above the fog, you could see the pines rising on the top of the rim and underneath the full moon. So it is pretty special. Did you get on top of the rim at all during the night? Um, we would have probably had to. Um, not, not that you can recall and, and remember seeing. I, I just wondered what the, you know, what if it was like a, would it be a true dark zone or was it, you know, was there still a lot of, um, uh, you know. Uh, light pollution. Right. Light pollution. Exactly. I would say that's probably true. I didn't feel like there was any light pollution. It was pretty much cl the clearest skies as we would have, you know, especially coming from Atlanta of where we don't see night sky like that. So it was definitely um, showing off for me, if you will. You just like, <laughs> oh, I could gaze upon these stars and it's just like pretty brilliant. So that was awesome. Yeah. And, and your headlamp hunting. That's, that's yeah. always fun. <laughs> oh, and I have to shout out I learned something very important and I think that you'll like this because you're kind of a gear nerd um, like myself. Um, Nightcore NU25 headlamp. Okay. That is the best headlamp I've ever used. <laughs> I recommend that it's the lightest headlamp I've ever used. Um, I think it goes to 350 lumens and can hold a six hour charge and you could just carry two of those on you and it probably would weigh two and a half ounces. Wow. You said Nightcore. NU25. NU25? Yep. All right. I'm basically going to trash my pencil now. <laughs> <laughs> After like how, how I was like, wow, this is the best headlamp I've ever used. If, if that's all I take away from this weekend, <laughs> I'm going home and ordering a new headlamp. And it's like $35. It's really, wow. it's not very, too. you know, expensive for you to have two. It's less than a pencil now. And yeah, I mean, it fit in his pocket and now definitely does not fit in your pocket. And it was very comfortable. It was just like a little elastic band. Six hours, 350 lumens. That's pretty impressive. Yeah. Um, and you said it's rechargeable. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. All right. Definitely checking that out. Was that um, something you can find on like a camping website or Amazon or both? I think they have a website. Okay. I'll, I'll check Talk it out. Your wife looks it up and orders too. <laughs> she has one too, <laughs> but it's on Amazon and okay. Smith and all the other websites. Okay. Just Google it. And that's what I did. And we'll have two coming tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> That, that's definitely the the perks of uh when your crew is a bunch of through hikers they you know obviously mm -hmm. grams mean everything so where they can yep. shape any grams so that's that's awesome i, I learned that. that 
I'll look up their website and I'll try to put it in the show notes for anybody interested to, to look it up as well. Cause that's, that sounds like a dream come true. <laughs> <laughs> that's very cool. Um, Awesome. Um, you know, speaking to that, like with the fog, did it get heavy at all for you that, you know, um, did you have any problems with the fog or was it pretty light fog? It was pretty light. Oh, okay. Yeah, very good. Yeah. Cause sometimes, you know, that lower beam can help. I was wondering if you had a, a belt as well, or just went with a headlamp. Just headlamp. Yeah. Cool. Very good. All right. Um, awesome. And then, um, it sounds like these eight stations were closer together. We didn't really talk about the first 26. Um, was there, you know, a few more aid stations in that first 26 miles or was it, you know, some longer stints without the aid stations? Yeah. I don't think there was ever um, a time where there was an aid station, at least 11 miles apart. I think that's maybe the longest stretch throughout the race mm -hmm. um, in the initial 26 to 45 it's just uh light on crew access but um i thought i was gonna be moving much faster so i would just only brought bottles mm -hmm. and it ended up being sufficient but you know they're not too far to where that's not an appropriate move to okay. be able to carry, you know maybe a liter and a half of water in bottles and and allison um you had said that um, you were getting together his stuff. Did he have, um, a backup pack or a, a you know, a, a twin pack that he was switching out? Um, or you were just getting the, the bottles ready so you could just switch them out of his pack that he was wearing. At first we would switch packs, but it just became easier just to take the trash out and mm -hmm. then put bottles back in. Um, so it just, what was he light on making sure he had plenty of gels? What was he eating, making sure he was eating, but really he relied on a lot of liquid calories. So at first I would put extra bottles in and um, making sure that he had plenty of concentrate, even though he doesn't think I put enough in, I definitely did two scoops of Roctane in each bottle. But the one mistake I did was I didn't put an extra bottle in when he was on, um, after the stint with Ryan and, he'll get to this more mile 60 to 85. We didn't see him at all. And I only gave him two bottles and I should have given him a third. That was just me probably just being tired and just not thinking. So I learned a lot of lessons and, you know, of course me, I'm just like, oh, it would have changed everything, but he had enough water and in between the eight stations that it was fine, but it was one thing I'm like, oh, I should have put extra bottles in. I was doing so good. Now no one will ever want me to crew ever again. <laughs> I just crossed you off my list. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but now I know. So maybe I'm like even better for knowing what not to do. <laughs> All right. Maybe you're back on the list. Uh, so, so Ben, what's your, what's your pack of choice? Um, I was using the uh, Solomon uh, 12 liter. Mm -hmm. Um which was funny because I like that just for the capacity, but anybody that's worn that vest knows that it can get kind of hot because of just how much extra material it has in the back. So during the first day on the first climb, I was like, oh, it's kind of getting a little toasty <laughs> you know, and dealt with that. But um, all in all, I don't think I could have done it in the smaller vest, like the five liter. So. The only problem is I would put things in there, sandwich and chips, and he wouldn't realize they were in there. And he'd be like, oh, why didn't you pack this? And I was like, it is. See, it's right here. So 
another can get lost. Uh, yeah another problem with the 12 leaders yeah, no everything's positioned yeah. In. Yeah. yeah right yeah no it's especially if somebody else is packing it and it may not be in a spot you're used to mm-hmm. um so yeah a good point to kind of talk about those things prior you know like show show your crew your pack and, and where you typically stow stuff so they know where to put stuff yep. um because i went through the same thing and but I, I was like you know doing the whole like feeling all over like where did they put that <laughs> you know like yeah, it's 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 tough when you don't load it you know it's the crew member they're like oh you got room over here and it's like you know well i don't usually put stuff there and then i forget and then i'm running i'm like now where did they put that and you know you're searching around and but yeah i understand <laughs> um well, very good so um you've gone through um it was let's see we talked about the first did we talk about the first seven with mile or uh with ryan or the complete 14 with ryan yeah complete 14 the complete 14 okay um so um now that brings us to uh 60 is that right am i thinking right yeah yeah um all right the highlight of his night (laughs) and and why was that (laughs) oh i mean she's just making fun of me but (laughs) just because uh getting to run with my buddy wit um catch up with him we had 85 miles and it was just going to be us just bullshitting and uh hanging out so and picking more people off how many i'm sorry how many miles uh he did 25 with yeah. 25 oh so it took you took you to okay took you to 85 okay got it um right 25 miles wow wit is a, a trooper um that's a, that's a basically babysitting for 25 miles never <laughs> pay somebody um, right 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 yeah <laughs> absolutely um and let's see so uh what point uh was it still nighttime when wit started yeah all right still nighttime um and um you know came off i'm sure you know refreshing you know having it's always kind of neat you know talking with somebody new because you typically have a lot that you can kind of talk about um but um i I suppose you were looking forward to to catching up with wit so uh, it sounds like you were still in a good mind frame yeah yeah everything was all good better than probably the best part of the day so far have been that last 15. and is this where allison you wouldn't see him for that 25 miles correct okay so no no crew up until 85 at this point um so um and had you had any sleep allison at all um i tried to nap a little bit as we were driving to the um different aid stations, but it's hard because you have no reception. You have no idea what's going on. And then I'm thinking, oh, his parents, my parents are probably so worried because they're probably texting us wanting updates. Mm -hmm. And Ben's parents are very familiar. They know reception is very spotty, but mine have no idea. They're just like, what? hundred miles. That's so bad for your knees. So <laughs> I was just like, Oh gosh, they're probably so worried. And, um, I dozed a little bit, um, just knowing I was going to have the last stretch and just to really be mindful of that. And, um, just to not worry, but also know that like, he's having a great time. He's with Ryan. He's about to be with wit and at Coca Jonah. Ben and, and Wit had just an absolute ball to the name. They got rap names. They had everything. I mean, I knew it was going to be go time where they're going to move. They're going to pick people off. It's going to feel good. And they're going to have a great time. I called this like Ben's unofficial bachelor party. So he could be with his friends, goof off, have a great time and have no worries. So I was really happy for him. 
That's awesome. Hey, um, so Ben, if, if your mom was at uh, mile 60 um, in your, your best mom impersonation, what, what do you think she would say? Oh God, she probably would just be like, are you hungry? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, a whole spread ready for you. Yeah. I think uh, my mom would probably be a pretty good uh, crew chief or aid station captain at aid that. Um, captain. She'd probably be the best, but yeah, she would just probably be like, what can I get you? And she'd just be running around like uh, any, most moms would. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. My, I saw my mom at 198 miles. Oh, wow. um, and uh, my mom's from Brooklyn mm-hmm. and uh, she's got the Brooklyn accent. And she says, Aaron, Aaron, you look good, honey. <laughs> I said, Thanks for lying to me, mom. Thanks for lying to me. It was the first time she had ever been to any of my ultras, you know, and here, this is my longest one. And, oh my God, I, I, I had a smile. I was like, oh, mom, you're a good liar. Thanks. <laughs> uh, so Wit takes over here and, uh, um, it, you know, it sounds like you're going to have a good time. Now uh, talk to us about it. Did you, did you have a good time? Did you keep moving up? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, we just had these stupid inside jokes. Um, <laughs> you know, we, have spent a lot of time running together in the past and, you know, specifically Arizona. Um, so, you know, we just had a lot to catch up on and, um, we talk about music and rap and just all sorts of silly stuff. So that just leads to us, you know, trying to freestyle. Um, I'm not gonna, uh, do that on air, but yeah, just trying to freestyle, um, like a bunch of goofs and, I'm sure anybody that we passed didn't want to catch up with us. Probably <laughs> want to hear the nonsense that we were just talking about. So, yeah, we just did whatever we could to like kind of occupy that time and space with just um, nothing serious and just keeping the mood very, very light. And you know, next thing you know, you get through the night, and we were moving into the day. <laughs> Nice. I, I don't think we've ever actually talked about what is what was your connection to Arizona previously that, you know, you've had so much time spent there and with wit and such. Yeah. So um, previously I've ran the uh, Air Vipa puts on a race in Flagstaff called uh, Sky Peaks. I ran that in 2019. Um, I went out there with my friend Cecilia to run there. So um, that was my first time going to Flagstaff. Um, and then in, I believe whatever the inaugural year of Cocodona was 2021, right. um, I went out there to pace wit, um, that year he got fourth overall. So, um, spent a lot of, I think I paced maybe like 60, 65 miles. Um, so yeah, it seems like every year over the past several years, I've gone out to Arizona. So every time we go out there, it's, you know, meeting new friends, old friends, and kind of rendezvousing and just making a fools of ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> nice. It's a special uh, place. Totally. What were the what were the high temps like um, during the day? So Saturday, the weather was perfect. I think. I mean, outside of the hailstorm, I think it was um, unseasonably cool. I don't think generally the highs are any higher than the low eighties. Um, I don't know what it got up to Sunday, but it definitely was hot and it was very exposed in parts. So 
by that point, because I went through such a long time in the night, it wasn't like I was thinking about sunscreen at any of the aid stations early morning to reapply. So um, right into the baking morning sun, essentially, you know, so they're like, oh gosh, I still have 12 hours left. <laughs> and it was definitely got hot on Sunday. Gotcha. Um, was that a realization Sunday morning? Like how much was still ahead of you? I tried not to think about it because I knew that I'd still get to see Allison who was going to bring me home. So I was like, you know, just making um, sizable chunks and just trying to keep making, you know, these small victories by getting to the next person, picking off the next person, getting to the next pacer. So I was really excited when I finally got to see Allison. I'm like, all right, well, you only got 15 miles, like in a hundred miles, right? That's you're smelling the barn. <laughs> Or so, or so I thought. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. So, um, Allison, he's coming in. Uh, you're getting ready. What, what are you thinking? I'm like, okay, don't fall. Don't do anything stupid to jeopardize this race. He even before the race, he told me, he goes, if I drop you, it's not personal. <laughs> so like, it's fine. Like, I don't care. If you're dropping me at mile 85, 90, good. Like, I, I <laughs> like doesn't matter to me and um it was kind of a joke because wit had um paced joe uh, mcconaughey string bean mm -hmm. at javelina and cocodona and had been dropped so ben jokingly was like we'll make it a third era viper race that he's been dropped <laughs> just jokingly um i wasn't so, dropping anybody <laughs> but um no i mean i was really looking forward to it i mean i was so proud of him for you know m pushing on even when things were hard in the beginning he still was just very determined and just his positive spirit and chatty i was like i've never seen ben so chatty before for this long but i was also like oh he's gonna crash just like after everything, but I was just so proud. Like it was just his determination and just moving forward. I was like, okay. And then he got there and I was like, Oh, I need to make sure everything's ready. I mean, of course I had gotten up and had everything ready and making sure um, it was good to go. Like at six or seven thinking, Oh, he's going to be in. And he got in around like nine 30. So, cause I was just like, I had no idea. Cause once again, no reception. So it was just hard to ballpark, but I knew I saw some people that were ahead of him and kind of framed it off that, but Wit came in and he was like, make sure Ben has sunscreen on, make sure he has the extra bottle. And he was like, I can pack it. Are you already packed? I was like, no, I'm packed. Like, let's go. So it was good to know that he was going to finish. He was going to get his goal. Like time didn't matter because we also knew he was way ahead of cutoffs and um, that he had like 15 hours to do 10 miles. So I was like, all right, if he, you know, can't do that, then we got other issues <laughs> and maybe he shouldn't be moving on, but you know, it was like, all right, he can stop to take naps. He'll control the pace and just let him talk. And it was just good to catch up. And I had tons of stories because the van had gotten stuck twice in the mud. Oh, no. Everything that we saw like along the way, which is another thing about the crew is 
so much goes into it, but you just have to tell your runner, everything's great. We're fine. <laughs> Life is great. Nothing is. We weren't almost stuck and almost, you know, made it at the aid station or, you know, one of the guys didn't get in a fight with one of the aid station workers where I thought he was going to punch him. Like, no, everything was great. <laughs> but oh no, I, was, I was happy to share the last few miles with them. No, that's awesome. No, it's, it's, it's great when, uh, you know, you've got a great crew, right, Ben? You've got a, such a good dynamic. It, it makes your experience that much better, whether they tell you the stories or not. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, oh, everything at home is fine. So I can just enjoy this. And turns out they're just <laughs> barely holding it together, apparently. <laughs> right, right. That was when Wit was driving. Wit, it was Wit's van. We were all like kind of shoveling in. And Wit totally didn't trust me to drive it because I don't blame him. Like I hadn't slept, like I'm not a good driver. <laughs> and so there was Josh and Josh didn't have a license. He's <laughs> from England. Like, but Wit was like, Hey, Josh, drive the van. <laughs> so he drove the van to the next aid station point, And then we were able to sleep. So it was like me just kind of navigating on the forest service road and it wasn't too bad, but I was like, oh, Josh, you're getting a little close to the right or just kind of navigating. So that was very interesting. So I think Wit was like a little nervous that like we were driving the van because that was the other thing. I was like, uh, how are we going to drive this if Wit's, you know, running? But it was fine. We made it. That's nice. That's good. <laughs> uh, so Ben, you, you get to train with Allison quite a bit. So I imagine, you know, having her as a pacer, it kind of felt like any other day, right? Just going for another run. Um, you know, <laughs> I'd be lying. I would say we probably don't train that much together um, anymore. Generally, she's uh, killing some gnarly workout or getting prepared for some race. Um, it's a little fast for my uh, taste right at this moment, at this juncture. But it was good because with me training for a hundred miler and her doing marathon training right now, we haven't been running a lot together. So for us to actually get trail time, I was looking forward to that. So nice. I was like, okay, 15 miles we've done over 70 self self-supported before together. So this is, this is a cakewalk. Like we got this. Nice. That's cool. Um, so this is the last section here, last 15, as you're, you're making your way towards the finish. Um, I'd, I'd like to hear from each of you as to, from your perspective, uh, how did that go? Yeah. You want to start us off then? Yeah, I'll, I'll start it off. Definitely. Like I said, every time I get a new pacer, everything was getting better and better and better. And you're getting closer and closer and closer. I didn't realize how bad the last 15 miles were going to feel. Cause you could smell the barn, but it's not getting any closer <laughs> and you're in so much pain, but the only way to make it end is to run quicker, but you can't necessarily run quicker when you <laughs> run or run quicker. And it almost felt like sometimes insurmountable. Like you're just like, Oh, this, this is so silly. Like I'm not getting anywhere closer. And at that point, like, you know, you spent, you know, the past, 40 miles with your buddies, you know, and just bullshitting. And like, you don't want to be vulnerable and like all sad and depressed with your guy friends, you know, but then you're <laughs> at your wife and you're like, well, she's used to me being a grump. So now I'm going to be grumpy for the next 15 miles. <laughs> so I felt really bad that I had 
these really long stretches where everything is just rocking and rolling. And then I get to her and then I'm just like, you're going to be in for a rough one. (laughs) So she definitely drew the short end of the stick, um, the toothpicks or whatever the expression is. And if I was to straw, straw, if I was to go back, I would maybe structure those pacing duties differently so she would get me at a better point (laughs) but bless her heart um she just you know kind of went at my pace and when I didn't want to talk she just was happy to not to to happy to run in silence and you know if there was another runner that she could talk to she would (laughs) take full advantage and talk to them and (laughs) I would just uh sulk and continue (laughs) on my very way (laughs) Oh my gosh. Allison. Uh, oh, go ahead, Ben. I'm sorry. No, that's uh, pretty much the gist of that one. Scene, <laughs> I probably wasn't in the brightest of moods. <laughs> you weren't a shiny, happy person. <laughs> not at that point. Not anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and Allison, how, how about for you? I mean, that summed it up. No. Um, <laughs> I mean, I knew you don't know what to expect. And that's the thing is you're so close, but if he had twisted an ankle or did something or fell, like it can change your race. So I was just be positive, let him vent. If he needed to just scream or be mad because he kicked a rock, his toes were hurting him, you know, everything's hurting at that point. So I'm like, all right, just let him be. Um, And I knew the last stretch, it was going to be hot because they warned that everyone runs out of water, making sure he has plenty of water in the last aid station, making sure he's hydrated. I made sure he had bottles um, and just, you know, went along with it. It was so rocky leaving the last aid station and it was just technical. And you had people, there was a 42K on Sunday that people were flying by That's and that so kind of just annoying <laughs> yeah, and I forgot. frustrating. That, that made things interesting. Yeah. So, you know, and it's like, you know, you're moving and then you're having to stop and get over and it's single track. You're on a rim, you're going down a Canyon, you know, you're trying to have a rhythm down and it was just frustrating. And, um, once we got down off that, Ben started running some more and just kind of had more pep to his step and, it was, we were down at 5,000 feet. So it was kind of manageable because the whole time, the whole race, you know, is seven to 8,000 feet. And for us, you know, sea level people, you know, it wasn't, he didn't complain about it at all, which was nice. Like, you know, one time he said he had a headache, but it wasn't that bad, but um, getting lower, you definitely felt a lot more refreshed, but I mean, he was running some, um, the last mile he ran out of water and he was like, how far do we have to water? I'm like one mile, <laughs> but it was really like two or three, but I was just basing it off my, um, watch that mm. it was closer than it was. And I looked up Gaia just to make sure we were still on trail. Cause I was like, oh my gosh, if we got off trail or whatever, oh yeah. but, um, cause two miles to go, there's like a water stop and they had popsicles. So it was really nice. <laughs> we got a popsicle and then we were on the road. So we had to deal with no more rocks, no more uphills, no more downhills because Ben was so strong still on the uphills, but the downhills were just like agonizing and watching him just step by step. I was like, Oh, come on, babe, you got this. You got this. 
So, and then we had another guy. Um, once we got on the flats, we started passing more people and on the uphills. And one guy kind of attached on us. He was alone. He actually weeded for us on one of the uphills. He's like, I just don't want to run alone. So I'm like chatting with him. I'm like, good. I have an audience. Cause Ben was just like, I want to focus. I don't want to talk, which is fine. But I was just like, I want to hear about you and just to help pass the time. So I was chatting with him and I think it helped Ben because it kept his mind off of the pain and everything. Um, but we made it through, um, in the last road walk, you know, we were so close that, you know, you could see the, the flags and, you know, I knew he was going to do it. And it was just like, so exciting to see all of his hard work culminating in this moment. And, I just like lost it. I started crying. I was just a wreck. And um, one thing I regret is I was just so emotional. I never took any pictures of the crew or anything, but I just was so proud that he stuck it through. He was so determined. He made it to the start line. He made it to the finish line. He has a belt buckle now. Now he's not going to take it off like any holiday, (laughs) any wedding, everything is going to be that belt buckle. But you know what? he deserves it. And he's already talking about his next race and it just changes his own perspective. So I'm like, we made it to a start line. We made it to a finish line. You can do anything. Oh, that's awesome, Ben. And, uh, Ben, was there a moment and maybe it was when you saw those flags, but was there any moment prior to that where you're like, I got this, I I'm, you know, I can finish this. I mean, I, I think really I knew pretty, I mean, before halfway, once I got to my crew that I would probably finish. Um, So I was confident once I got to 85, I knew I was definitely going to finish. So um, it was just like, how quickly can I end the suffering at this point? That was the, the, the main objective at that point was just like, just get it done so I could get off my feet. Um, But I don't think I really counted the course out even the end at the, Cause then you're on the road and it's just been baking in the heat and it was just, it just got to be very, very warm and you're, you know, over 30 hours now, it's like, that's a long time to be out. So that new, new, uh, distance and, uh, time PRs by a long shot. So I think previously the longest I'd ever been out was 24 hours. So that's an extra 10 hours. So what did uh what were your emotions when you saw those banners um well my watch had died um i think at like mile 97 so i kind of lost track of like where the actual clock was but i was pretty sure i could probably still get under 34 so like my mind still like negotiating with itself like oh there's obviously a number out there now let's try to go under that and I was not having anything. I knew that was going to be close. I was like, I don't even care. I'm just going to walk. I don't even care if we get under 34. I just kept making little deals with myself. Like, you don't care. You don't care. Finally, I saw the flags and I didn't think that they were getting any closer and 34 hours was going to be out the window. And I was telling myself that that's okay. And then finally I got within like distance where I could kind of see the clock. And I was like, Oh man, I got this. I got like three minutes to go. So I just was able to like get that last little bit of juice and um, run in maybe the last 10th of a mile to where it looked like I was still running really good, but deep down inside, I knew that 
I don't look this good. You guys didn't see the previous 10, 15 miles, but it made a good video. Nice. And all of our friends were there at the finish, which was no. so nice. And they were there to hug Ben and, and capture it and, and just support and be proud, which was awesome. That is fantastic. Uh, so Ben, and give us the, the final result. I believe it was 33 hours, 57 minutes, even, um, 58th place. All right. So, yeah, you made it across and got your buckle. That's awesome. (laughs) (laughs) It was, it was far from the day that I I know that I'm capable of, but I think at the end of the day, like you don't know what the day is going to bring with these type of races and, it'd be just as easy for me to have dropped out at 26 and just kick the, kick the can down the road until the next 100 I try and have a pity party at that one too. But you, you learn a lot. And, you know, at the end of the day, I know that I can still just go get one done if I have to. So <laughs> it definitely is a, a huge confidence boost, you know, knowing that I have a goal ultimately to get into hard rock that, there's going to be days like this, you know, where I have a hard race and things don't go the way I plan, but you know, maybe out of the next six I do, maybe I'll nail two of them. Right. That's fine. You know, if I ever nail one, if I don't, whatever, but as long as I keep moving forward and enjoying the process, I'm the winner. So that's that's good. That's, that was a brilliant statement you just made. (laughs) Buckles are forever. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's right. Uh, Allison, I'm sorry. It sounded like you had something that you were going to mention as well. He was, and the thing is, he finished 50th, but he was down, I would say, by the first aid station, probably in 100th or 90th place. Like he was, because we were seeing the standings and that was the only point we really did. But to see that he jumped 40 to 50 places shows how many people he passed and just his persistence. And it just shows that he was just so determined and just literally, you know, just picking people off, which was pretty amazing to see. And I was so proud. And another thing I, he didn't mention, but was the fact that during the first 45, he made friends, he started talking to people. And that was one thing Wit was like, I hope that he, you know, starts talking to people and kind of partners up with people so that he has someone to talk to past the time, kind of the reassurance. And not only is it helping him, but it's helping that person. Cause I know one aid station person said, Oh, you're, you're close to cutoffs. And I think that kind of, you know, affected Ben, but the other guy came up behind him and was like, no dude, you're good. And so that was like, all right, this guy's cool. Like he's got my back. He's listening. And I mean, cause if you think you're already fighting cutoffs that early in a race, like that totally changes everything. But luckily that guy was there to say, Oh, good. No, 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 that's great. That is, that's part of it. Right. That's part mm-hmm. of the experience is meeting all these new folks and making your way and sharing the journey, you know, and getting yeah. to them. That's Absolutely. for sure. Yep. Yeah. That's, that's great. It was a great story, Ben. I'm so proud of you as well. I mean, you, you know, the, that, like you said, the last four weeks, you may have gotten in 20 miles <laughs> and, you know, to, to be able to go out there and, and do uh Mogollon, I mean, and I, I think I finally pronounced it right here at the end of the episode, <laughs> 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 
but uh man it's you know i I am i'm super proud of you for for getting it done you know for making it through and and you know persevering because it's not easy you know when things aren't especially when they're not going your way you know like Mm -hmm. you had a something totally different in vision but you you stuck with it and you you made it through which is that's you know that a lot of people would you know would just drop but you know that's that's awesome that you stuck it through so well done sir well done and allison thanks for for watching out for him (laughs) thanks for allowing me to have my editorial comments (laughs) (laughs) they're they're always enjoyed absolutely so um man uh, so ben anything on the uh the the agenda or thoughts on on what's next I think I'm going to take a little bit of an extended break. Been <laughs> well deserved. <laughs> grinding for a while now. Yep. And uh, I looked at my calendar. I'm 33 weeks out from strolling gym, mm. the 45th annual, yep. which I'm already signed up for in May. So just want to prepare myself and uh, come ready to work nice. here nice. and uh, come home with a gold t-shirt to that add to the family's collection. So that sounds I think awesome. that's my yeah. most immediate goal. And, and Allison, what about you? I have Chicago in less than a month. So yeah, it's a whirlwind, you know, last few months, next few months. So excited for that. And then focus on probably 50 miler and, and maybe 100K. So. Oh, cool. Yeah. Nice. Go yeah, up in distance too. Why not? Right on. Yeah. And are you going for the uh, Olympic qualifier standard? Um, I think that may be a little out of my reach right now because the standard is a little <laughs> very low now, but also yeah, they did move it. That's right. Uh, and but maybe the 100K um, national, national team. team. Right on. Very so. good. Awesome. Very cool. Well, it is awesome. Always catching up with the two of you. I appreciate you, share, you know, sharing the story. Um, and Ben, uh, once again, congratulations, man. I, I'm glad I get to, to talk to you and tell you. <laughs> That's I mean impressive yes thank you yes good to debrief and uh because i didn't want to write a long race report so (laughs) you could listen to me ramble about it for over now we knocked out two birds with one stone (laughs) exactly that's a huge uh, relief thank you well thank you thank you both it's been fun catching up with you guys absolutely Mm -hmm. and uh if anybody wants to connect with you guys where's the best place for them to do it um, I think I'm Strava just under my name, Ben Mercer, um, Instagram run of the mill 87 and Allison Mercer on Strava and one woman dance party. Okay. <laughs> How could you not want someone with that name on your crew? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good talking. Yep. All right. So I'll put those in the show notes. If anyone wants to connect with these guys, that's how you'll do it. Um, you two are amazing. I love the Mercers. I can't wait to uh, see what's uh, what you do at uh, Chicago, Allison. I wish you the best of luck. Thank you. And, uh, and Ben, well deserved rest, and we'll we'll talk more about uh, ramping it back up. Okay. Yep. All right, guys. I hope you have a great night and a great weekend. You too. Thanks, Thank Aaron. Thank you, Aaron. Thank you. Congrats to Ben once again. Ben, I know that wasn't the race that you had intended or or looked for, but amazing job given that you had four weeks with about 20 miles of training. <laughs> Just incredible, uh, especially given the fact that, you know, your back and your hamstring were giving you such issues. Uh, just so proud of you for getting across that finish line. So um, thank you for, for coming on here. Allison, thank you for, for pushing Ben, <laughs> for getting him uh, through that, that race. Uh, you guys are amazing. Uh, you guys are, are wonderful human beings. So thank you for being a part of the show and for sharing your stories. 
Uh, as I said, other things going on here at MR Running Pains. Uh, the newsletter will be coming out very shortly. Uh, we're already coming to the end of September. Uh, we'll have one more episode before uh, the end of September. That is going to be a podcast with multiple guests. Uh, it's my hope. Uh, I've got four different guests lined up to talk about the Barkley Fall Classic. Uh, I had four runners take on the Barkley Fall Classic, and all of them actually were from the uh, North Carolina Piedmont area, the kind of the Raleigh-Durham area. Um, you know, obviously not an area known for um, a lot of climbing. And so uh, these athletes, uh, we had to be creative in their training. And this wasn't like their A goal race, obviously. Uh, they <laughs> they were, um, you know, doing this for their own reasons. And then we're going to hear about that. So uh, that's going to be my next episode with uh, with those four athletes. That's uh, Chris and Paula Sheeran, uh, Tori um, Kendra, and John Goldfield. So look forward to my conversations with them. Uh, and that's what will be coming up. So, uh, and then after that, October 1st, around thereabouts, uh, my new newsletter will be coming out. I've been working still on my race report from Bigfoot and it is getting long. <laughs> um, it's going very in depth and I've been doing it in parts. So I'll probably release part two of, of kind of my, uh, um, evaluation and race report for our, for Bigfoot. This is, you know, it's taken me a long time to process and I remember things and I think about things and, uh, you know, I, I've kind of really gone in depth on some details is this is probably my most in-depth race report that I've ever done. Um, uh, but I, you know, I want to remember this, so I'm really getting detailed, um, on this process. So, you know, stay tuned for that in the newsletter. That'll be part two. Um, I'll also put that out on my blog. You can find all of these resources on my website. So if you want to check out my previous uh, blog posts, yes, I still <laughs> add to a blog. I know that that's uh, something that's kind of fallen to the wayside for most people, but um, I still do keep a blog. And that link is on my website, mrrunningpains.com. If you're interested in subscribing to the newsletter before it comes out, that is also on my website. You can do so there. Uh, there is a link also in the show notes. It is a free newsletter. It comes out once a month. Not only does it have you know this race report, it has a lot of training tips, uh, reviews, you know, things that, um, that I think of that might be helpful to your running. So, um, I encourage you to please sign up for the newsletter. It is free. And with that, you know, these resources, these things that I do, the podcast, the newsletter, uh, you know, YouTube videos that I do, um, you know, the, I have a Patreon set up and, um, I've never really asked for Patreon support before. And, uh, I was listening to a podcast, the, uh, the single track podcast, and, um, they were speaking about, um, you know, having support from the community and I'm going to ask for support from you all at this time, um, to, to be a part of Patreon for me. Uh, I'm looking at the costs of Western states. Western states has been a dream of mine since a long time ago. I've only started to try to get into Western states since 2016. Obviously, that is six years ago, but at the same time, I've I've known about Western states for a long time, and it has been a dream of mine to do. And next year, I have that opportunity, um, and it's it's going to cost a lot of money. So uh, I you know I hope to use some money um, from Patreon to support that. Uh, so if you can support and, and want to donate, or even if you want to give a one-time donation, I would sincerely appreciate that. Um, you know, it goes to helping my crew members get there, uh, my family get there myself, you know, all the expenses we incur. So, um, I'm asking for help 
And if you can, I sincerely appreciate it. Um, you know, I, I know there's a lot of good people out there looking to do good. And if you feel this is a good way to help out, I know money can go to a lot of different things and a lot of different places right now. So, you know, I, I'm not saying <laughs> that mine is super important. Um, but if you can help, I sincerely appreciate it. it. It would be helping make my dream come true. So I thank you for that. Other than that, my friends, uh, I'm going to close with just uh, a note of gratitude. Um, I, I really, I'm blessed to be able to do this. I'm grateful for your your listening, for your ears, for you being a part of this, for your comments, for your questions. I'm grateful to all my athletes that are a part of um, my team, and uh, I, you know, I, I'm I'm just grateful to be here and in this space. Uh, so I thank you, Lord, and thank you all for, for letting me be a part of this, uh, for letting me be a part of your community, and for letting me be a voice in it, uh, whether you listen to it or not. Um, I, you know, Obviously, you've heard this, so you're listening, so thank you. Until next time, my friends, keep running.